You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Elise Perry. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, February 5th, 2024. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides an update on an annexation lawsuit hearing on February 8th. More in today's feature report. All this money stays in Monroe County, and to me, that's really, really important. And if you are in the receiving end of this, it's like winning the lottery. That's Kathy Romy from 100 Plus Women Who Care, a philanthropy club supporting local nonprofits. Find out how they raise fifteen or even $20,000 in one hour later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your daily headlines. At the Monroe County Election Board meeting on February 1st, County Clerk Nicole Brown gave her update to the board. I have several updates for you. The first is um, the announcement of the 2024 poll worker recruiters. Uh, We got a very nice surprise when Orion Saft, who has been our Democratic recruiter, um, agreed to come back and return and help. And that is because his Republican counterpart, who I'm also excited to um, announce, is um, Kurt Dernal. Um, retired state trooper Kurt Dernal, who has, he is just, um, I've always thought he was just one of the most honorable people I've ever met. And uh, we got an opportunity to speak. And so they were both appointed by uh, their respective party chairs. And I believe that they will do a phenomenal job of getting poll workers for us. I'm very excited about that. Um, I wanted to Um, let you know that candidate filing closes on February 9th. Can you believe that it is already February 1st? So you have eight days if you are considering running for an office to get your papers filed with the Monroe County Clerk's Office. Brown shared the deadline to register to vote in the next election is coming up and shared the primary early voting hours. The deadline to register if you want to vote in this primary election is April 9th, 2024. Um, So IU students, usually that's who we want to make sure if you want to vote here in Monroe County for the President of the United States or who goes on the ballot for President of the United States, you need to have your registration in by April 9th. I also wanted to read into the minutes, the primary early voting hours for um, this election that will, of course, will take place at election operations, 302 South Walnut. Early voting hours begin 28 days prior to the election and they end at noon on the day before the election. So if you do not take advantage of early voting, you then report to your polling site on election day. The dates for this primary are April 9th through 12th, 8 a.m to 6 p.m. April 15th through April 19th, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. April 22nd through April 26th, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
April 27th, which would be the first Saturday prior to election day, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The following week, April 29th to May 3rd, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. On May 4th, that second Saturday, just prior to the election day, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then May 6th, which is the day before elections, 8 a.m. to noon. Those are our early voting hours for the, this primary. Lastly, she shared legislative updates she is following. Finally, I just kind of wanted to give some legislative updates, um, piece of trivia. I chair the legislative committee for the Clerks Association. I also chair the legislative committee for the Association of Indiana Counties. So leg um, the legislative session is underway at the State House. I have been once or twice per week up in Indianapolis testifying for clerk ask, responding to other ask, and there are a couple of bills um, that I thought I would make sure that you knew we were following. House Bill 1264 is the Secretary of State's bill. That is the bill where he asked um, of clerks what he would like for us to do to make elections run smoother. Um, of note in that particular bill um, is some changes as far as first-time registrants, proving that they live where they say they live. Um, and then also he has some um, measures for dealing with voters who are U.S. citizens but not natural-born U.S. citizens in terms of cancellation versus making, um, making their registration status inactive. Um, it's, it's interesting. House Bill 1265 is the Indiana Elections Division bill. And um, so, for example, if a county election board of a county has not designated, that is not designated as a vote center, establish a plan that specifies the method and timing for providing absentee reports to the persons who are entitled to receive those reports. Um, allowing a voter to deliver signature verification affidavit that was signed by the voter to an absentee board at a circuit court office during the period of early voting. So they have some changes that they, um, would like to see happen. Um, we had one that did not go anywhere. I think you'll be excited to hear this. Uh, there was someone who offered a bill that wanted us to hand count every single ballot <laughs> as long as it takes, but just making sure we got done before midnight on election day. Um, that could have been quite interesting. I am very proud that it did not pass out of committee. House Bill 1376 is actually something that the clerks asked for last year. It did not pass out of um, the, or the legislature last year, but it has passed out of House committee this year. Clerks are asking that we not have an election referendum in a year where we don't have a general election or a municipal election. So that bill will go over to the Senate um, for consideration there. Um, I am really proud of this week, the fact that Senate Bill 170 passed unanimously out of the Senate Committee for um, Corrections and Criminal Law. And what that is, is we have asked the legislation to 
expand the definition of an election worker to include our poll workers, and that means that if you try to intimidate, harass, commit violence against, or in any way threaten somebody who is helping to put on a free and fair election, it is a level six felony, and it just embraces the poll workers in that definition of an election worker. That does still need to go to the House side of the State House. Later in the meeting, the election board discussed the late CFA filings of city council candidate Isaac Asari and Steve Volan. Brown outlined. I would invite, I believe there are a couple of different separate issues okay. um, regarding the CFA 4 that was due and, and also the CFA 11. There's two separate individuals and since Mr. Volan is here, I would strongly suggest that we invite him up sure. to speak to both of them. Volan explained that he was late filing his CFA 4 by a few hours, and he incorrectly submitted his CFA 11. With respect to the CFA 4, I was several hours late, uh, and I take responsibility for that. Um, so I don't know what uh, more to say. I gather also that I have a CFA 11 that's outstanding. Um, so uh, I was doing research. I, I thought I filed it. thought I filed it on April 29th. Uh, it didn't occur to me until I was sitting here to look in my email, and uh, I can only say that it was the heat of the campaign. I'd never filed a CFA 11 before. Uh, I'd, never, I'd never received a donation that large. And I apparently filled out the form and emailed it to the state. And the state very politely wrote me back saying, uh, it's fine, but you're not supposed to file with us, you're supposed to file with the county. And so for some reason, I sent it to the election supervisor via email. This is wrong. I can only say that I was insane. It was four days before the election, and I did not think about it clearly. Uh, so that's why, I mean, I did not see a record of, the, I thought I filed it. Uh, I did not see a record of it in uh, the county election filings, and I realize now that that's why. So. Uh, with that, all I can say is these are my fault, and uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. The board fined Volan for the late CFA 4 form and gave him a warning for his CFA 11 filing as it was his first time with that specific form. Candidate Asari was not present at the meeting. It was his second late filing, and the procedure would be to charge him for the days that he was late. He was three days late making the fine $150. County Attorney Molly Turner-King recommended that the board table their vote on the fine. My recommendation would be to table this one to ensure proper notice because Mr. Yes. Volan said that he yes. didn't receive his letter. Um, and by statute, Mr. Asari would be required to have notice. And I'm a little iffy if he has. The board tabled the final decision on the fine to ensure that the candidate Asari had received the letter about the late filing. The next Monroe County Election Board meeting will be held on March 7th. During the January 31st meeting of the Monroe County Board of Commissioners, the commissioners presented to the public on the state of the county. Commissioner Julie Thomas started off the address by saying the county is facing parallel issues to that of global issues, but that they are tackling them locally. There's a famous bumper sticker, Think Globally, Act Locally, and there's a reason why that sticker's everywhere. We do this work for you every day as the Board of County Commissioners. Much of what we see in the world or in the national news 
housing shortages, food insecurity, environmental concerns have parallels in Monroe County. We may not be able to solve the world's problems, but we can work together to make life better for the people in Monroe County. And so with that, we want to offer some insight into what we've worked on recently and what we plan to do in the coming months. Commissioner Penny Githens provided an update on the distribution of opioid settlement funds in the county. Uh, Working with the Health Department and the Indiana Recovery Alliance, Monroe County received an additional $536,000 as part of a special opioid settlement grant from the state to help the Indiana Recovery Alliance buy a permanent home, purchase a mobile harm reduction vehicle, and also so that we could purchase additional harm reduction supplies. This money is partially being matched by some of the opioid settlement money, which Monroe County has received uh, through the national efforts at opioid settlement monies and suits. We have contracted with the Indiana Recovery Alliance um, to distribute syringes and other harm reduction supplies. Looking forward into this coming year, we have formed a working group to make recommendations to the county council as to how to use other parts of the county's opioid settlement funds to help those who are impacted by illicit drug use. And we are hoping to join with the city of Bloomington because uh, they also have received money but do not have a a health department of their own. Um, We'll talk more about this later, but um, we're looking to bring in um, an IRACS program. And so we'll need to have at least one certified recovery community organization here or an RCO. So one of the recommendations that the working group will be making to the county council in the near future is to help fund the RCO and the training that their staff might need. Thomas then clarified developments regarding the county's intention to build a new jail. And that brings us to a discussion of um, the jail, um, the justice center, the construction of a new jail. As you know, we've continued to support um, the sheriff's uh, ongoing efforts to Uh, repair the facility as needed, Uh, plumbing, electrical, roof, sally port, elevator. uh, And we are awaiting um, a report from RQAW, which is going to offer concrete information on and determination on feasibility of repairs. Now, this is a required step, but consultants have advised us that the multi-floor jail is uh, problematic, uh, lacks space and for programming and repairs uh, will not be able to address this. Uh, but we will continue to um, support repairs being made on the facility on an as needed basis. Um, after we um, finalize the contract with DLZ to assist us with site selection design and initial phases of the project, Um, We've um, continued to explore uh, potential sites, uh, especially I think one of uh, one important uh, site of note that has, um, while a site has not been selected, uh, it's important to note that when um, the Thompson property um, was discussed last this past year, we did hold two different listening sessions um, in the neighborhood. and we really appreciated all those residents 
who came out and, and shared their perspectives. Uh, meanwhile, we're awaiting some final information after, once we've received the, since we have now received the environmental geotechnical studies. Commissioner Lee Jones recapped the county's environmental considerations concerning the Houston South Vegetation Project. Another problem that the county has faced over the past few years is that the United States Forest Service developed a vegetation management project plan for the Houston South portion of the Hoosier National Forest. The project called for clear-cutting 401 acres, logging of approximately 4,000 acres, herbicide application to 2,000 acres, and prescribed burning of 13,500 acres. Notwithstanding the fact that some of the foregoing activities would take place on highly erodible steep slopes within the Lake Monroe watershed, the United States Forest Service prepared an environmental assessment document for the project, which concluded that the project would have no significant impact on the environment, and thus that a a more comprehensive environmental impact statement need not be prepared for the project. In May of 2020, Monroe County, along with the Indiana Forest Alliance, the Hoosier Environmental Council, and other interested parties, filed a lawsuit against the United States Forest Service. Lake Monroe is the sole drinking source of of water for 120,000 people in Southern Indiana and already suffers from a degraded quality due to sedimentation and algal blooms. The county, along with the Friends of Lake Monroe and the Indiana Forest Alliance and the Hoosier Environmental Council will continue to, to monitor this matter and will respond as necessary to ensure that Lake Monroe is protected. The next Monroe County Board of Commissioners meeting will take place on February 7th. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides an update on the annexation lawsuit hearing on February 8th. We turn to Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled Subscribe. Here's an item from a recent installment. Annexation Lawsuit Hearing, February 8th. Some opponents of Bloomington's annexation efforts had hoped that new Bloomington Mayor Kerry Thompson would withdraw the city's effort to litigate the constitutionality of a 2019 law, which avoided many of the annexation waivers that Bloomington had relied on for its effort to add more territory to the city. But it does not look like Thompson will be withdrawing the lawsuits that were filed by the city. In a motion filed on January 3, 2024, two days after Thompson was sworn in, the city of Bloomington asked for permission to file a reply to a new argument made by the state of Indiana, which is an intervener in the case. The motion was granted by the court, which means the argument in the reply will be considered in the February 8, 2024 hearing that is currently on the calendar. 
The litigation can be tracked at the website public.courts.in.gov forward slash mycase. To track the latest filings in the multi-case lawsuit, it's worth knowing that they have been consolidated into one case, and the cause number of that consolidated case is 53C06-2203-0001. The city's reply, which it was allowed to file, involves an argument that was made by the state of Indiana related to the other pending annexation litigation. In that case, which involves Area 1A and Area 1B to the west of Bloomington, the city of Bloomington has waived the constitutionality argument related to the 2019 law. The state's argument boils down to the idea that if the city has waived the argument for one set of cases, but not for others, then the city's legal position is incoherent. Bloomington's reply is based on the idea that its legal position is not in any way incoherent because those sets of cases are separate. The bench trial on the merits of the annexation in Area 1A and Area 1B is set to start on April 29th. Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. It's part lottery, part democracy, and all heart. 100 Plus Women Who Care is a giving club, pooling individual donations into a cash prize awarded to local nonprofits four times a year. Their first meeting of 2024 is this coming Wednesday, when the club will donate $15,000 to charity, maybe even more. Club member Kathy Romy is here to tell us how it works on a new episode of Activate, coming your way right now on the WFHB Local News. to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hi there, I'm Kathy Romy with 100 Plus Women Who Care. We are Philanthropy Made Easy. We're a group of women from across Monroe County who wish to support our local nonprofits. And we meet four times a year to help local nonprofits meet their immediate needs right here in the community. So in order to join, each member makes a commitment to donate $100 a year to the Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County, plus $100 per meeting to give to the selected nonprofit. So at each meeting, we can nominate any local agency that's a registered 501c3. So we draw three cards from the nomination basket at each meeting. They get seven minutes to talk to us and tell us everything they can, and we can ask questions. And then at the end of the evening, we vote on which nonprofit we want to award the money to. So over the past, I guess it's been 12 years, we have awarded money to places like the Monroe County Humane Association, Meals on Wheels, 
Habitat for Humanity, the Monroe County CASA, Hoosier Hills Food Bank, on and on and on. These are all nonprofits that we're all familiar with and that do fabulous work here in the community. All this money stays in Monroe County, and to me, that's really, really important. And if you are in the receiving end of this, it's like winning the lottery for a lot of these nonprofits, especially the smaller ones, because the time and energy that a nonprofit would spend to raise $20,000 or a grant or fill out a form for a grant, we do it in an hour. So your $100 turns into fifteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 in an hour. And that's what's exciting about it to me. The other great thing is if we raise 10000 or more, we have a foundation that will give us $5,000 on top of that ten or above that we raise. So they can go home with even more than that. These funds are unrestricted. I mean, they generally, when they get up and speak, they have a project that they, that they want to do, but not, that's not always the case. Bloomington Meals on Wheels, when they won, they used the proceeds to go toward a new project that they have called Groceries to Go, which is a mobile food pantry. And that really got them up and going. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul was another organization that, that was chosen. And I believe their project had to do with an emergency fund that they give to people who need things right away. So they, that helped them establish that fund. So this coming Wednesday, February 7th, will be our first meeting of the new year. So we would love to have some new members and some guests join us. And we meet at the Bloomington Country Club from five until seven. We would love to invite you to come to this meeting and just see what it's all about. There's no commitment involved. So again, the meeting is this coming Wednesday, February the 7th, at the Bloomington Country Club. If you'd like to know more, you can find us on Facebook at 100 plus, that's the plus sign, so 100 plus Women Who Care. Or you can call the Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County at 812-333-9016. 333-9016. Again, thank you for having me. My name is Kathy Romy. I'm with 100 Plus Women Who Care, Philanthropy Made Easy. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. 
More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by me, Kelsey Pease, and Noel Herheshke Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young. Activate was produced by Chad Carruthers and Michelle Moss. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Brandon Blewett. And I'm Elise Perry. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Good With Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories.